Welcome to Jesus in Therapy. We're your hosts, Kev and Jess. This is a space where we infuse the Word of God with mental health matters. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and feel free to follow us in our Facebook group, Jesus in Therapy. Listen, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated as new episodes are released. Enjoy. First, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, We appreciate uh, you spending time with us. And, uh, you know, we said that the the registration is free, but, uh, you know, our time is our most precious commodity. And so we want to make sure that we respect your time, we honor your time, and we want to thank you uh, for your time. Uh, We're going to be really diving into some important information that we feel has been lacking really uh, from our culture. um, And that's dealing with uh, having a healthy financial mindset and really dealing with uh, generational wealth. Um, And we we have such an awesome person. I I met uh, this young lady uh, when I moved down here to North Carolina and uh, I met her through some mutual referral partners uh, of ours, um, the Wardsworth Group, and she is just amazing. And what I love most about her, not so much the content, and you know, Jess is gonna you know, give her bio, but she starts off every session. I've never done a webinar with her, seen her do anything without her acknowledging that it starts with the mindset. Mm-hmm. And when I heard her speak, and really give the information she gave. And she brought it from that perspective. I told Jessica, I said, she's one that we got to have on the team. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's got it. And, uh, and she's a believer. Uh, so, you know, that's always a plus. Um, so uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get things started. Mm-hmm. Um, I am Kevin Bullock, if you don't know who I am. <laughs> uh, and I am a mortgage banker by trade. Uh, been in the industry now for a little over 16 years, which is crazy in itself. I've been doing it this long. Um, but in my field, I have the privilege of looking at people's finances and helping them obtain that goal of, uh, you know, home ownership and, and really breaking generational curses. Many, many of my clients, uh, this is the first home in their family. Um, This is the first time they've moved from renting to home ownership. And I've seen such a disparity in what we bring to the table and what others bring to the table and their mindset and their relationship with money and credit. Um, And so this is a conversation that needs to be had Um, Not just tonight, but something ongoing. So we're hoping that the information we share, you can take it, share it with your family, use it for yourself, share it with your church, any organizations you're with, um, because we really want to start breaking cycles um, that's uh, keeping us from going to that next level. And it really starts with your relationship with money and, and your mindset on how this thing works. It's not hard to purchase a house. It really isn't. It's not that hard uh, to get your credit together. It's not that hard to save. It just requires a little discipline, mainly. Uh, and uh, I, I saw a quote a couple of weeks ago. It said, uh, being broke is hard. Becoming wealthy is hard. So choose your hard, <laughs> right? Uh, it's a choice. So um, with that being said, I'm going to let uh, Jessica uh, introduce uh, Coretta, and then we're going we're gonna to dive right in. I just want to read a little bit about Coretta because she has a very impressive bio. Coretta Meredith Farrar is a proud graduate of Montreal College located in Montreal, North Carolina. I hope I'm saying that right. Montreal or? Okay. Uh, she received her BS degree in business management. Business management. She has spent over eight years working in Charlotte, North Carolina, and corporate America, where she has managed over 150 staff members in a Fortune 500 company. 
She used to be known as Coretta Credit Queen, and now she is the founder and president of Farrar Financial Group Incorporated, a company that provides education and knowledge about credit and financial stability. It is also helping others repair their credit history and have a fresh new start on their life and future. Coretta married her high school sweetheart and is the mother of two children. Her purpose is to help others change their lives by understanding who they are and how to use money as a resource to empower their lives. And she is the co-CEO of the Farrar Group with her husband, Clifton Farrar. So we welcome you, uh, Coretta, and we will, uh, if you would like to say anything before we jump into our conversation, please feel free to now. Oh my goodness, thank you. Um, first of all, I'd like to say Jessica and Kevin, this is phenomenal what you guys are doing. Um, I think that when we do more round tables and small groups like this, we help spread the knowledge so much quicker sometimes and in bigger forms. So I'm really, really appreciative. And Kevin, um, I since the day I met you, I, I told my husband the same thing. I was like, Kevin is a man of God. I didn't know you were a man of God by you telling me, I knew by your actions when I met you and um, the people that you sent me, I want to say thank you. Kevin and I didn't even have a conversation. It was more like an email, like, I'm going to start sending you people. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful because in this time, we have a lot of things that we need to do when it starts like this. So Jessica and Kevin, I want to give a big shout out to you guys for even taking the time to think of this and actually manifesting it for it to happen. So I'm super excited about tonight and everybody that's joining us. And I think we're going to have a phenomenal time and we're going to walk away with just a little bit more power financially than we had before. Awesome. 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 So I, I guess we'll jump into our first question. Uh, I'm acting as moderator this evening. <laughs> um, so the, one of the goals of this conversation was to develop a healthy fine, a mindset. And um, we wanted to know, uh, and, and either one of you can ask this, because there's a lot of people who have, don't have healthy relationships with money. And that can be based off of several factors. It could be based off of, you know, relationships in the past or, or bad experiences with money. But how does one who really doesn't have the best relationship with, with uh, money, how do we begin to start to develop a healthy financial mindset? Absolutely. Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that I talk to people about, and when I talk tonight, you guys want to talk a lot about myself. And the reason why I want to do that is because I believe your biggest testimony is yourself, right? And so just a little background, how I got into credit and how my husband and I got into the financial service business is because we once made a lot of money and made very poor decisions. So on the outside, we looked very wealthy, Kevin and Jessica and everybody listening. But on the inside, we were very, very poor. How do two people make over $160,000 a year, have disconnection notices in the mail for their light bill, right? going on vacations before they pay their mortgage, driving in around a Mercedes Benz, but didn't have any money saved in the bank and walking around with a Louis Vuitton and had more money that I spent on the Louis Vuitton than I had in my bank account after I purchased it. On top of that, I didn't purchase the Louis Vuitton with cash. I purchased it with my credit card that was almost maxed out. Okay. So when I'm talking to you about money and mindset, I want to talk about myself and hopefully ladies and gentlemen, you can see yourself in me. While we do not have a good relationship with money or how we establish it, Jessica and Kevin and everybody listening tonight, is that we first have to realize we have a problem, right? A lot of us walk around and we look very good on the outside, very good. But on the inside, we don't do any cleaning. We focus more on what the outside looks like than what the inside looks like, okay? And everybody, so just not with me if you agree or just something. We're very focused on what the outside looks like. And so a lot of times we do not have a healthy relationship with money because number one, we've never been taught about money. All right. We haven't been taught. We're taught to, you, you work, you pay your bills and you kind of make ends meet. All right. We weren't taught that money is a tool and a resource that we use and money only does what we tell it to do. Money does not have a mind of its own. Right. If I gave you $20 right now, Jessica, and I left it on your bed. Right. And you never touched it. When you got back home tomorrow, that $20 would be exactly where I put it exactly the same place I put it. The only reason why that money moved from your bed to your pocketbook is because who did it? You moved it, right? So money is objective. Money doesn't have any feelings. It doesn't have any emotions. It doesn't have anything. Money is a tool, right? And so how we change how we look at money, and I want to open this up a little bit for conversation, is that first of all, can you say to yourself, I'm not good with money? 
Or can you admit that I don't know what to do with my money? Or can you admit that I do have money, but it's not doing what it's supposed to do? I think the first part of building a mindset, before you can build a mindset, you have to know that you don't have one. And then after you know you don't have one, then you can start putting things in place. So a lot of us think we're good money managers and we're not. We're not good money managers. And we don't have anybody in our circle or any conversations like this to make us identify that we don't have a right money, a right mindset about wealth. So the first step to me in building a good mindset about wealth is first saying to yourself, where do you want to see yourself financially? Everybody that's on here right now, where do you see yourself six months from now? Most people don't even talk about that. Most people are living from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. A lot of times we don't have a mindset about where we are or where we need to be financially because we don't know where we're going. We don't have any financial goals. So one way to develop a healthy mindset about money is what are your financial goals? Is it home ownership? Is it debt freedom? Is it retirement? Is it paying off student loans? What is your goal, right? And then when you have a goal, most of us don't think about money at all, Jessica. We don't even think about money until we don't have it, right? And so we have to change how we think about money and say, I'm going to make a plan for my money instead of my money making a plan for me. Mm -hmm. that's the first step to have the right mindset stop letting your money rule you mm -hmm. how do you how do, how do you tell me that you work all weekend on friday you're broke how did that happen then you have a plan for every dollar that you made what was your plan right because 10 percent of that should go to you saving for yourself right so when people tell me certain things i'm like you don't have a plan for your money because money is not on your mind the only time you think about money is when you don't have it what did you think about your money prior to that? See yourself in a different place. See yourself not having just enough, but having more than enough. Don't look at your paycheck as I'm just getting by saying, no, every dollar that I have, right? Every dollar that I have, I'm going to make sure that that dollar has a job. Mm -hmm. What does my dollar do for me? Everybody that's listening to me right now. You get paid every week, every two weeks, every month. Does your money rule you or do you rule your money? Who's in charge? Who's in charge of the money? Are you in charge or is your money in charge of you? Right? So the first way you have to shift your mindset is that I'm in charge of my money and I'm going to start making good decisions about my money. And how do I do that? I start making good decisions because I start thinking differently about my money. My money is a tool that God has given me. It's a tool that he's given me to prosper. It's a tool that he's given me to be able to do the things that I need to do. He called me that I may have life and have it in abundance and have more than enough. God didn't call us just to work and pay bills and die. He called us to be the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, above and not beneath. So how do we do that with our money? How do I now control my money and not let my money control me? And the first way you control your money is you first have to identify you have an issue and then you have to put a plan in place and that plan has to have a goal attached to it. Yeah, listen, that is so awesome. And it's so real because that was something that we had to do uh, personally, mm -hmm. you know, being in finances for as long as I, I, I've been, you know, I thought I had it all together. And we were kind of in the same boat, you know, Justin, I was making a lot of money and, and didn't really have much to show for it. And we had to really have a humbling moment. Mm -hmm and say, you know what, this is really out of control. You know, like this, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No money. And, you know, we just got tired. Like sometimes you gotta, it, it shouldn't take you getting to that point. And I think many times that's what we do is we end up waiting until we get fed up to make a change. And that's why we're having a seminar because hopefully you can, you may be in a good situation, but you can always get into a better situation. Mm -hmm. And it starts, like you said, with making a mindset and putting things down on paper. So we sat down mm -hmm. and we realized we needed somebody else to take a look at our finances, see, you know, what are our real spending habits? What are you really uh, putting your, uh, your, where are you putting your finances at? Mm -hmm. You know, and we realized that we were doing, I'll give you a very simple thing. Uh, we were eating out way too much. <laughs> we were we were eating out, and, and with a family of six, that was just unacceptable. But we were doing it, 
And we realize that simple life changes, yes. you know, budgeting time to eat out, budgeting money to eat out versus just whenever you don't feel like cooking, uh, it changed the whole game. And for many of us, if we're honest, this pandemic has probably helped us out with that mm -hmm. a lot because yeah. we haven't had the opportunity mm -hmm. to go out and eat as much. And so hopefully, you know, our accounts are a little more healthy uh, because we haven't been going out as much. So that's awesome. I want to ask, what, what are some of the biggest money mistakes that you've seen people make? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, as it pertains to their relationship with money. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue that I've seen people make with money, and this is an issue that I've had, and I've seen it duplicate. If you guys can agree with me, please shake your head. People living like the Joneses when they're really the Jiggets. People living outside <laughs> of their means, right? People, um, you know, just, Jessica, you are a therapist. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, I have realized that the biggest mistake that people make with their money, and Jessica's going to help us with this, is emotional spending, yes. especially for women, right? And the reason why I say women is because women, most of the time, are the temperature when it comes to the finances in the home. I, I, I witnessed that. Now, they, when I mean the temperature, is that I mean most of the time, the money flows through, most of the time, a woman's hand, whether she's a stay-at-home mom or whether she works every day, we're kind of the managers of things. Like, we're, you know, hubby, like, here you go. You do what you got to do. Let me know Let me know what's left, what we got. Everything taken care of. Everybody's good. And so what I've noticed a lot, Kevin, the biggest mistake is that people live outside of their means to impress people that they don't, that don't really know them and don't care anything about them. People live up here. You ever heard the saying that people have champagne taste and beer budget? Yeah. <laughs> but they got a bigger budget. That's what I notice a lot. The biggest mistake that people make is trying to live in an area, in a season that God has not called them to yet. That's the key word, yet. It's on the way, but not yet. So you can't do with $20 an hour what Kevin maybe can do in his season of $50 an hour. I got to be comfortable that I'm in my $20 an hour season and know that if God did it for Kevin, he'll do it for me. And one day, I'll get to my $50 hour season, but it's not right now. And so sometimes we try to live out of season, okay? And what I mean by that is we try to, I, I deserve nice things. Yes, you do. But can you afford the nice thing that you deserve yet? Not saying it's not on the way, right? But is it okay? Can you live in a townhouse right now? Because that's what you can afford. And do you have to have the single family home that's 400000 or can you deal with the townhouse right now for 200000 Because that's what you can afford. And when times get tough, that's what you can keep. Mm -hmm. Can you ride around in your Honda Accord right now until you get to your Mercedes Benz season where you can afford that? And so what, what I've noticed, Kevin, is that the biggest mistake is that we live out of season. We live out of season because the world that we're in has taught us about a you got to have this to show that you've arrived. You got to have that. You, you got you to go on this vacation. You have to do this for the Facebook and for the gram and all of that. And so people are living these fairy tale lives and, and behind the scenes, they can't afford it. So a lot of times we, we bite off more than we can chew. And, we, and, and, that, and that biting off more than we can chew, it takes sometimes a lifetime to fix. Mm. I have people that I counsel right now, Kevin and Jessica and everybody on this phone that's 50 years old. And they're worried about retirement and they're dealing from debt from when they were in their thirties. Yeah. They can't even think about retiring because they built this debt up in their thirties that they just realized in their late forties that they need to get rid of because they want to retire in 10 years or 15 years. And they're paying for their sins of the past because they were doing things just like what I'm saying there. Like Coretta, I knew I shouldn't have did that. I knew I shouldn't have refinanced my house and we were almost done paying for it. You know, why did you do it? Well, I just wanted to take some money out. Of, you know, just, well, me and my husband wanted to go on vacation. We wanted to live, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're like, okay, and you're paying for it now. So the biggest mistake, don't bite off more than you can chew. Be okay with where you are, knowing that better is on the way. Better is on the way. The season that you're in right now is not going to be your forever season. It's just not, but it's a part of it. You ever heard people say, Kevin, this is not your forever home, but it's yeah. better to own a home instead of renting it's better for me to own my townhouse, right, that I can afford than to pay rent in a big house that I can't afford anyway, you know, like, and sell it or 
upgrade or rent it out and build my wealth. So being okay with being where you are and knowing that you're, as you grow, your finances will grow and not biting off more than you could chew. You cannot make $100 a day or you can't make $500 a week and your bills are $1,200 a week. You can't do it. You can't. If you're making $500 a week, your bills need to be $250 a week. You can't live up to the very maximum of your income. Yeah. And, and what people don't realize is uh, it doesn't just affect you, but your children are affected by those same decisions because yes. instead of them seeing you do better or uh, excel, mm -hmm. right? They watch the struggle. They do. And many times, especially, and I can say this on this call because I know everybody on this call, we're, we're all believers here. We, we've done a poor job in sharing uh, the other side of life we've mainly shared the struggle side. Mm -hmm. The God is going to make a way. Mm -hmm. God is going to get me out of this one day. You know, it's not going to always be like this, but it seems like you're always in it, right? And, and we haven't shown our family members and our children and our uh, counterparts, we haven't shown them that other side of what it looks like when you are disciplined, when you are operating in season, that God will continue to just uh, bless you when you do the right thing. And yeah. I, I think about, I always think about uh, the story of Goliath. Goliath should have been killed generations ago. Yeah. It's clear that many times we leave Goliath to our children. Yeah. And I'm talking financially now, right? We leave our financial Goliaths to our children to kill when we should have slayed that debt demon a long time ago. Yes. Right. And now every, what I've, what I've seen is that in our culture, especially every generation starts over. There's no continuing, you know, we're not passing the baton. We're all running individual relays. Yes. And we need to be able to be in position where I, I can now allow my children to go a little bit further than where I was because of the decisions that I made. And not only just my decisions, but in my decisions, helping them to establish the right mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, in, and in saying that, so what keeps people from getting finances in order? What are some of the biggest barriers to that? I think one of the biggest barriers that I see that, help, that, that people have with getting their finances in order is that it requires a change and people are not always willing to change. Change is some of the hardest things that people have to do. It requires change. It requires the ability to be humble because a lot of times it's a humbling experience when you realize that everything that you've been doing is wrong. You know, Cliff and I had the same kind of experience you and Kevin had where we were like, hold on, how do we make it all this money? And we, we, were, we weren't this poor when we were making way less. So it's right. never about the dollar amount. That's number one that I learned the hard way. It's never about the money that you make. It's about how much money you keep. That's number one. But I think one of the hardest things is that people have to change. They have to change. They have to realize that, hey, something is broken about what I'm doing, right? You ever heard the saying that sometimes we don't know we're dysfunctional till something functional shows up? And that's why it's important for us to be around people that pushes us and elevates us to be able to think and see our, our, ourselves differently. Um, but being able to change, being able to admit that, hey, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to relook at what I'm doing. Having the ability to be coached having the ability for somebody to, to critique you. And then also you saying to yourself that it's going to take discipline for me to change this, but also that I got to let some things go that I was doing. You know, um, my husband and I let go cable for four years. We brown paper bagged our lunch for two years. We just had to do it. I was like, I don't care what people say. We don't go on any vacations with our friends for four years. We did not go on vacation. My friends were posting up at the Bahamas, at Key West, all over. And me and Clue were sitting at home looking at them on Facebook. But that was our season. I was like, we can't do it. We can no longer pretend to be some people that we're not. We got to get our money in order. So it required us to pull away from the norm 
and we had to do some drastic changes. And a lot of people don't want to drastically change. They don't. They don't, they don't want to give up. They don't want to not show this image that they've been showing. They don't want to say, hey, I got a downsize. That's one thing Cliff and I had to do. We had to downsize. We were like, we can't afford this place. We had to downsize to something smaller because that was the season that we were in. So when you're ready to change your finances, it's going to require you to be uncomfortable. That's the word I'm looking for, uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't want to be uncomfortable. They just don't. Yeah. Man, that, that, is, that is so good and so real, right? We don't want to be uncomfortable. Uh, and we don't want other people to see us uncomfortable, no. especially now. And uh, in this age of social media, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not only are we putting ourselves in positions where we take on more than we can handle trying to uh, be like somebody else, we're oftentimes comparing our uh, seasons to somebody else. So I, we're, we're comparing our chapter one to somebody's chapter 16. Absolutely. Right? Because you weren't there, like I didn't have uh, Facebook and Instagram when I first started out in the business. Wow! Sixteen years ago, there was no there was no Facebook and Instagram for you to so so and and sixteen years ago, I didn't have nearly as many closes as I have now. <laughs> so so you know you you didn't see the the failed uh, deals, the deals that fell apart. The, the, the applications and, and appointments that were canceled, right? We didn't see all of that. So now a lot of times what we're seeing is the after effects and the results of years of work. And, and we get caught up in trying to uh, mimic and, and want to show that we're in that same chapter when we're really not. And it is, it's humbling because you have to get uncomfortable. But again, it's just a season. Seasons change, whether it's good or bad. Like it, it, I'm amazed that sometimes we, we try to hold on to something, it, it's changing, mm -hmm. right? So as long as you can embrace that change and really it all comes down to what we first started saying, right? Mm -hmm. What is your goal? You know, what is it that you really want to accomplish? You know, where do you see your family? Where do you see yourself? Where do you see your children uh, a year from now, five years from now? Be specific, right? We can't, we have to get beyond that. I want to make more money goal. No, 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 no. Put a dollar amount on that. Put a timetable on that. I want to make an additional $25,000 in the next two years. Well, this goes to what I was telling Kevin the other, the other day, because that's really good. What was happening is Kevin and I weren't making specific goals regarding well, how much money we wanted in the house. And we were just making all this money and, and weren't, but we weren't seeing it. And so one of the things recently, I, you know, we, we started money mapping. Uh, and basically we got all, we, in our minds, we said, how do we want to live? What are the minimum things that we have to have in order for us to feel comfortable, even if we don't get it right now, but what, what translates to comfortability and a comfortable lifestyle? And we made a list of all the things that we would like to have in life and then with got the dollar amount and then those are the goals. So it's not so much, okay, we want to make $2.5 million a year. What we realized is that after we sat down and did some money mapping, our our comfortable life doesn't require a 2.5 million budget, million dollar budget. And everybody has a magic number that they need, that they have. Maybe your magic number is 250. So maybe, maybe $250,000 a year is, wow, that's going to be a comfortable life for us because it covers everything that we, that's on our dream list, the things that we want. So having that list and really money mapping exactly what you want really gives you something tangible to work towards rather than having this, I've got to make more money because going back to what you said, money goals were scary for me personally, because, you know, I didn't think, I, I didn't really have a, a relationship with money before we got married. And then when we got married, I realized that my, my relationship with money was toxic. It was really hold on to everything you have. Don't spend anything. Keep your, your fists clenched. And um, I didn't even have a mindset. Even if somebody would have came to me and talked to me about investing money into 
um, different areas to let your money make money. I wasn't even, I didn't have the mindset to want to, um, to make more money because it was kind of like, okay, I wasn't even thinking about the investment and the return. I'm thinking about, well, how much money is that going to cost me? So I had a very toxic relationship with money. And that really, that, that really hurt us in the beginning of our marriage. But, um, when I realized that money, you know, affirmations, um, money comes and goes to me freely. Those are things that I say on a daily basis, like things that I, 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 you know, my finances are more than enough, will supply more than all I need. Of course, we know God is the ultimate supplier, but money, like you said, is an object. I'm giving it no power. And so when I talk about my money in that way, I am empowered to say my money is going to do what I want it to do rather than my, you know, my money is going to dictate to me the type of money, the life I live, you know. So I think this empower is it's very important to have those um, affirmations, even if you're not where you want to be financially, to have those affirmations to constantly talk life to your financial situation, even if you're not where you want to be. Right. The, the power in what you say and how you think, I think, is uh, undervalued many times, you know. We, we talk about it, like speak those things and, you know, as a man think it, but many times we don't really put it into application. And then sometimes we just don't, I don't know if we really, really believe uh, in, in that principle, but absolutely we have to start, the way you change your mindset, you have to start speaking it, whether you see it or not. Um, and what I want to do, uh, Coretta, because I've listened to, and if, if you're not uh, friends with uh, the Farrar Financial Group on Facebook, you need to go follow, need to go follow them because Instagram too. yeah, on Instagram, Instagram and Facebook, because uh, on Wednesdays, Coretta and her husband they've done like Wealth Wednesdays, and man, they Amazing. are giving Amazing. it to you straight from the hip. Um, one of the one of the videos that I have watched. Uh, in the past and i want to talk about it tonight because i think it goes to the practicality of what we're trying to do right there are some little things that we can do that can really help us to change the trajectory of where we're going with our finances and one of those things is budgeting yes <laughs> right budgeting is a is a it's like a spooky word <laughs> and, and what i've learned is that budgeting actually gives us the permission to spend, right? When I budget, I now have permission to spend because I've budgeted money for that many times. And then what we learned was we weren't budgeting. When you just list what you have and how much it costs, that's not a budget. <laughs> that's a list. That's a list. <laughs> and we were listing for years. Most people do. Most people do. They think of that as a, that is, um, you know, as a budget, but no, a budget is when you actually compare your finances, like look at your bank statements and how much money is coming in, how much is going out. You're constantly evaluating it to see what things can change. You know, do I still need this? Is this important for where I'm going right now? I take so many things off of my budget all the time because it's not no longer a priority. When That's why it's important to have goals because you can't do a budget until you know your financial goals. Because right. for your financial goals, you can do the process of eliminating. Is me eating out every day or having a, a Starbucks from coffee uh, excuse me, a coffee um, from Starbucks every day for $6. That may not seem like a lot, but I do that five days a week. That's $35. If I do that times four, I'm spending some good money. I'm spending like almost $200 a month just on coffee. Is that is that in a big scheme of things a part of where I want to go? Or do I scrap that off of my list, take that $200 and invest it into something like paying off a bill or putting it into my savings account or doing something valuable with it. So a lot of times people don't know how to budget because they don't have the goal in place, but budgeting is not just writing a list. That's part of it, but it's actually comparing it and making sure that things are paid on time, making sure that you didn't overspend, right? Is there any area of room for growth? Is there what the money that was left over? What do we do with it? Where is it at? Is it growing for us? Is it working for us? If I didn't have enough money at the end of the month, then why would we do wrong? Right. And so a lot of times if you could catch those behaviors in 30 days, you could make a huge change. Most people don't catch those behaviors until three or four years out. You know how much money you lost because it took you three years to realize you needed a budget. 
So it's being able to capture that money. It's being able to put a, put a dollar on it. It's being, not a dollar on it, but a, but a light on it and saying, hey, I make $20,000 a year and I want to make sure that that $20,000 a year does what it's supposed to do. And so we don't know what it's supposed to do. We don't have a goal because we're just, most of us don't have any idea. Most people don't realize Kevin, Jessica, and everybody that's listening on, on the Zoom tonight, that they want to do something with their money until one magical thing happens. And this is what I've noticed. I want to be a homeowner. When people decide they want to be a homeowner, Kevin and Jessica, is when it clicks, right? And that's great. I wanted to click before then, though. You know how much more powerful we could be if it clicks as soon as we get our first check graduating from college or we got that first job if it could click earlier than that most people it doesn't click until they want to get a home right and then it clicks for about a certain period of time and then it unclicks as soon as they get their keys and that paint don't smell fresh anymore it's back to where it was because it was just something that they did for the moment but if we could get it to click prior to wanting something i i tell people all the time don't come to me when you want something because you're going to always have the motivation to do it then I want you to want it before you want it. I want you to want it before you want it. That's the key. Want it before you retire. Want it before the kids go off to college. Want, you know, you know. I tell people all the time, your daughter's going to college. You knew when you had your kids, you wanted them to go to college. Why did you wait till the 12th grade year to plan for college planning? Like you got to, some of the things that we do, like you got to want it before you want it, Kevin. You got to know. And that's what that mindset is about. My mindset is I know that I want to do something great with my life financially and I need to start now. Like what, what's the area now that I need to start? Because once you start it now, you can maintain it. You want to maintain it. Having good credit and money is a lifestyle. It's not something we do to buy something. It's right. a lifestyle. And how do we get that across to people? How do we, how do we let people know? I wish somebody would have told me this. I wish somebody would have shook me and said, Coretta, it's a lifestyle. You having good credit, you having money, you being financially free is a birthright. It's a birthright. It's what well, God you know what? I, I realized that most of the, yeah, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I realized is that uh, many times, because these type of conversations are had in the home, they're had around the table. Yes. Right? <laughs> and the problem is when you know that you don't have your stuff together, you're not going to share. Because mm. yes. yes. there's why an embarrassment. Embarrassing, yeah. yes. Yes. Well, yes. And this is the thing. And that's why Kevin and Jessica and everybody that's on here, we have to have a circle of people that we can be vulnerable with. Yes. yes. Right? You guys remember when Noah was on the boat? I think it was Noah. And he got drunk. And you guys remember when he got drunk, his, his, his people, whoever was with him, they covered him from the back was up so they could protect his privacy. We yeah. have to have people in our life. We got to have people in our life that can protect us even when we're naked. Mm. And if you don't have a circle of people in your life that can checkmate you. I had so many people in my life and nobody told me, nobody, Jessica, ever said to me, not even a cousin or a friend, Coretta. You and Cliff driving in a Mercedes to an apartment? Now, you know they were talking about me. <laughs> Believe that. You know how we do, y'all. They were talking about me, Kevin, but nobody had the guts to come and say, Coretta, you, you driving a Mercedes to an apartment? Hold on, sis. Well, why are you doing that? Mm. Why don't you drive that into a garage to your own home? Mm, things that make you go, mm. I had nobody in my circle that checkmate me. That's all I needed, right? And somebody to do it with love. Somebody come to me and say, hey, sis, like you making good money now. You ever thought about being a homeowner? You know, that's one of the things that you and Cliff should probably be thinking about, right? I know you want to drive a Benz and walk around with a Louis bag. That's cute and all, but a Louis bag is not, that's not an investment. Your Mercedes Benz, as soon as you drove it off the lot, it dropped 30%. Right, you're never going to be able to sell it for what you brought it for, right? And you can't live in a Mercedes, but you can buy a home and sell it 20 years from now, 15 years from now. And if you bought it for a hundred thousand, I promise you're going to sell for 150 or more. You're going to get a return on your investment. Nobody ever told me that, but they was with me in my Mercedes. They was with me <laughs> in my, walking with my Louis bag, and most of the people I was hanging with had a home. And nobody said to me, not one person, nobody said to me, Coretta, why aren't you a homeowner? 
right? So these are the conversations we have to have. Who's in our circle? But that's the problem, Coretta. We don't, when, when I think that sometimes there's nobody to talk to, um, nobody's checking you because I don't think nobody feels that confident about their own situation. Absolutely. And I think that we have to be more vulnerable, like Kevin says, settings like this for us to have honest conversations and, and not be embarrassed. But you got to have, I tell everybody, you have to have one person in your life that can be honest with you and, and not afraid to make you upset and not afraid of you walking away from them. You gotta have one person in your life that can do that for you. If if you're married, it should be your husband or your wife, but you gotta have somebody and you gotta be that somebody for somebody. You gotta have somebody and you gotta be that somebody for somebody. So a financial accountability partner? Yes, I call them them FBFs, my financial best friend. I got a financial best friend. I have a financial best friend and I love her and she tells me when I'm right and she tells me when I'm wrong. And I have become somebody else's financial best friend, right? The person who's my financial best friend, she's wiser than me. She has more money than me. And I want to be like her. I do. I want to be like her, Kevin. I want to, I'm looking at her. She's a bad lady. She got her stuff together. Her, her husband, I'm making big moves. And so I, and what I do is I go back and reach down to someone that reminds me of me. I mentored this young lady. She's 28 years old. She's doing really great at corporate. And I, and I, and I mentored her and she don't even know that I'm mentoring her. She fell in love with me. We met at church one time and I just liked her spirit. And God said, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you opportunity to speak over somebody that you wish had done that to you because what you went through wasn't about you. Really. What you went through was about somebody else. So now that you, I see this girl and she reminds me so much of me. So much of me, and I tell all the time, all the time, what you doing with your money? You saving? When you gonna buy your home? Ms. Carol, I'm working on it. You, have you started investing in your 401k? Have you started, do you have life insurance? Yes. <laughs> I, this is what I'm saying, y'all. I was walking around with a Louis bag and didn't have no life insurance. That's crazy. I'm serious, y'all. And I had have, I have friends that were life insurance agents. But you know what? They thought you had your junk together. They thought I had it together. They saw the Louis bag. That's it. That's it. And the ones, who got the, Louis bag, the ones who got the Louis bag don't have it together. Woo! I'm going to tell you why. People that got real money, they got a Louis bag, and you don't even know it's a Louis bag. They don't buy the ones with the <laughs> People with real money... They buy the ones that you be like, is that a Louis? Is that right. a Louis? They do. People who got money, they, they got labels. You don't even know. You don't even know it's a Birkin bag. <laughs> you don't even know that it's a Gucci. They get the ones that don't have all the G's on it. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm very serious. I promise you I won't be. I, I am so not labeled. I want to do what you said. I want to invest my money into things that will return money for me. Return money for you. Know, I, I have to say, you know, I'm going to be transparent here on this call. It wasn't until three years ago that I did what you said that you just advised everyone to do was to look at every line item on your bank account every month. And Kevin and I found over $200 in fees that were coming out of our account and subscriptions and all that. And that say that was, you know, eye opening and um, the budget thing. I thought the budget was like, see how much is coming out and see how much is coming out. And when I realized that, no, you have to make sure every dollar has a job. Every job. It used to be like, we used to be like, oh, great. We have this much left over. Kevin's like, now we're like, no. Okay. So now what we're going to do with this money? Yes. Not no more just left over. Every job has an, every dollar has an assignment. And I think that's something big that people that we, we haven't learned that. I didn't learn that until I'm over 35, that every dollar has an assignment. Nobody told me that. Yeah. And and nobody told me. Nobody told me, nobody, these conversations that we're having now, I wish, that's why I said, I love when people invite me to come and speak because I'm like, I wish I talk to people the way I wish someone talked to me. I really do. I wish that somebody had told me those things. Everything that you go through in life is for a reason or a season. So nothing is by mistake. Everything you go through is for God's purpose and his glory. But what I will say is that we have to learn you guys that money, there are more scriptures in the Bible about money than anything else. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to talk about money. It's very sensitive. But God wants us to be prosperous. I tell people that all the time. I've researched it. I've looked at it. I've read through scriptures. I'm like, God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to have live in abundance because ministry costs. 
Anybody who's doing ministry and say that ministry doesn't cost is a lie. Ministry costs. And God, and I am tired of the world looking and receiving the benefits because they understand God's principles, even though they don't trust and love God. See, God's principles work anywhere with anybody. God is not a man. He's a man of principles. If you do certain things, you're going to get the reward of it because God is a God of principles. And so the world is activating God's principles, but God's people won't even activate the principles. Yeah. I tell people all the time, why is it that people in the church, and I say church, I've been in church my whole life. I believe, and I, and I told a pastor this, and he said he agreed with me. I said, I believe that 50% of all prayer requests at church is because of a lack of something. And he said, you're right. A lack of money, a lack of resources, lack, even divorce. 70% of African-Americans get divorced because of money. Not because they don't love each other, not because of infidelity, but because of money. Now, a lack of money may have led to some other things, but it was the stem of, we don't have enough money. We, we're struggling. We can't communicate. We can't talk from all of it from money. It stems from money, even down to, like you said, our children. We don't show our children a good example of how we should have relationships with money, how we talk about money. Most of us don't even talk to our children about money. Yeah, yeah. we don't. Until we tell them, no, you can't have it because I ain't got no money. <laughs> you know, that's the, oh, no, no, no. I, you can't do this. We ain't this, got the money. What we <laughs> learned was. Uh, and we stopped this, I, I guess maybe like, I guess it was like maybe four or five years ago. Um, the, the children were, our children were looking to do something. And I was like, why are you looking at that? We, we're not getting that. We can't afford that. And instantly, I felt like God spoke to me and said, don't put your insecurities and your limited thoughts on them. Mm. That's good. And, and that's what we that's what has happened to us and what we tend to do really not intentionally but in in just because we we operate oftentimes in this lack mode mm -hmm. yeah. in, in this uh survival mode yeah. and your i heard your husband say uh we're, we're not survivors like that the animals survive <laughs> yeah. god has called us to dominate he told us to have dominion, mm -hmm. not to survive, mm -hmm. but to have dominion. And it starts off with us doing what we're doing now, mm -hmm. having these conversations, finding that accountability partner. I would challenge everybody on this call, find an accountability partner. If, it's, if you're married, maybe it's your spouse, or you have a best friend, your cousin, a child, a parent, somebody needs to be your accountability partner. Somebody that can say, um, where, where are you going? You tell them your goals. What, what, yeah. why, why, why are you eating out again? You know, like, <laughs> why'd you get that coffee again? You know, yeah. I mean, we need to have these real life because well, it's you're gonna be vulnerable, where you can be vulnerable because a lot of yes. a lot of people don't want to share, like, like Tisha said, broke people tend to get advice from broke people. That's like, true. you don't want and and you know, you don't want to be transparent because you don't want to let the facade down and be like, oh, they really going to know, you know, first of all, we feel comfortable, we feel comfortable right. with people that if we broke and somebody else is broken, they're giving us advice. We feel comfortable with that. A lot of times it's that comfort level. We're comfortable. When I started getting advice from a millionaire mentor and she just fell in love with me, I don't know why God put this woman in my life. She was just like, Coretta, you, you can do some great things. God has something great for you, but you got to do this and do that. And I was just like, ah, oh, this woman made me feel so uncomfortable. When I tell you uncomfortable, I was like, this lady was thinking on a whole nother level to me. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like I wasn't thinking on the levels that she was thinking on. And it, it stretched me. It stretched me to go bigger. People that's broke, that's, it, they, they, they kind of talk to you and where you are. But people that are a little bit above you, they talk to you on another level. They talk to you up here. So you, when you're looking up, you're reaching up. You're like, okay, I think I can do that. And you start grabbing to that. When people talk to you on your level, you only, you only can go right here. I can only give out. I can only give you what I got. You can only give me what you have. But when I'm reaching up to something, I'm getting something. And then I got to give something because I got to give a part of myself to get there. I got to give up my ideas. I got to give away these poor mentalities. I got to stretch myself to think that I can do this. I, I, you know, I can't, oh, I can pay my house off. She's like, you can pay your house off in 10 years. I'm like, I, I, I'm a finance person, but how does that happen? I'm going to pay my house off in 10 years. I, mm -hmm. I won't have a mortgage at 43 years old. Mm -hmm. I won't have a mortgage. 
but I never would have thought that I could do that, right? right. Until she told me, she, and she, I knew what to do, like pay an extra payment. No, it was like, okay, pay, no. You, I pay like two or three payments a month on my house. And I don't even, you know where the money came from? Me not eating out. <laughs> like me, literally, me and Cliff not eating out. Literally, me and Cliff paying off our credit cards and taking that money from the credit cards that was six, adding to our mortgage. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really can do this. And I'm just a regular little girl from South Hill, Virginia, from the country, literally. And I was like, I can pay off my house? In 10 years? Are you serious? It stretched me, but now I don't even miss the money. Because once you get a habit in place, you don't even miss it. And I still have extra money to do what I want to do. And my goal is I pay off my house early. But what I'm saying is that I never would have thought to pay off my house, everybody, early if she hadn't told me. I was going to throw a payment here and there, but not 10 years. Like, really? I can do that? She's like, yeah, you can do that. You gotta, you gotta sell one extra client. If you, you wanna do five clients a day, you gotta do six. You gotta do six new clients a day. And that extra one client, that, that extra enrollment fee times six. So ex every day I try to do six clients, Kevin and Jessica, and that extra client, I take that money and put towards my mortgage. Yeah. You know your numbers and that's, yeah. that, you know your numbers. Know your that's numbers. one of the biggest things, again, I'm guilty. I, I, I'm now um, very much more financially mature, but there was a time I didn't know the numbers. I had to take into account what are the numbers. And I didn't know how important knowing the numbers in your household were. They were. Like all the numbers. All what the, is the importance? All the numbers. My mentor told me this and I live by this. She said, Coretta, always know how much debt you're in. I said, why? She said, what about if God sends a person that says they want to pay off your debt? What about God sent me right now to you and said, Corinne, I want to write you a check for all the debt that you're in. God told me to bless you. How much do you owe? And you don't know. She was like, you need to know how much debt you're in because God may send somebody to bless you. So now I know. In my, this is how much debt me and Cliff are in. Somebody want to write a check? That's what she told me. She said, you don't know who God going to put in your life to bless you. Anything that's pertaining to me in my life, I should mind that. I should know what that is. Mind your own business. You are a business. Your family is a business. Your finances, your resources, your own, your, your financial health, your wealth, that's your business. Mind your business. Mind it. Take care of it. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to visit our website at www.b-welltoday.com. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time. Be strong, be bold, and be well.